Sunday morning discussion on Weekend View. You talking about the crisis of the water in Hamans Kral, you reminding me about the guy's son, his name was called uh, Tamika Plaki. Tamika Plaki stated a long time ago that every municipality that is governed by the ANC, they are going to destroy the infrastructure in order for the Jojo tank trucks to be implemented because it's a fast-growing business. They can be rich fast by using the Jojo tanks. That's what is happening at Hamas Kral. It's not easy for the tank trucks to be removed in Hamas Kral. Thank you. There's nothing, nothing impressive about the president visiting Hamas Kral. Nothing. In fact, this water crisis has been there for years now. And that's what you get from our leaders. They always uh, react to a situation. They don't respond to it. People of, Ham- Ham- people of Haman's Kral, when the president gets there, make sure that you prepare a glass for him so that he can drink the water from the tank. That's what he must do. How? Good morning, Manget and the team. Water tankers have become a feeding trough for the councillors around the country. It is a well-known corruption which needs to be stopped as soon as possible. We urge that the Minister of Water and Sanitation, as well as the Mayor of uh, Tsuane, put their political differences aside and prioritize this matter. They have to check whether the water quality delivered by these water tankers are suitable for human consumption. What is happening in Tsuane is unacceptable. People will remember this hashtag 2024 elections Dogozo in Devon. Thank you very much for those voice notes. Uh, do appreciate them as we're about to get into our Sunday morning discussion. Let's take some of your comments now. Willie Nkuma saying Human Rights Commission Masu Ramaphosa for the victims of cholera. That's a crime against humanity. Ramaphosa, your administration is disgustingly stinking and is devoid of consequences. Pramuro saying the politicians don't have the willingness to provide better basic services to the voters. Else we wouldn't be struggling to battle cholera today nothing will change if we don't strive for the country and people and put and people first instead of striving first for political parties and carl says will ramaphosa drink tap water in hamanskra i wonder that's a big question. We saw it uh, taking place there in the Tswane Council, members of the Economic Freedom Fighters taking glasses of water to the Speaker and the Mayor and asking them to drink. They didn't. And they wanted to prove what they were saying, saying that the water does not show signs of cholera. So if it doesn't, they were asking, why wouldn't you drink the water? Now, the mayor saying that that is cheap politicking. So what exactly is going on with this particular crisis? We'll speak to um, two people who have really been watching this particular story unfold. And that is Buang Jones. You remember him. He is the former head of the South African Human Rights Commission in Gauteng. He led that probe. He's the one that received the complaint from the residents in Hamanskral and then started probing this and then made some serious findings when it comes to this particular story. 
another person who's been warning over time about the story. We're hoping to speak to him this morning. That's Professor Anthony Turton. He's a water expert from the Center for Environmental Management at the University of the Free State and has been watching this and has been sounding the alarm. He was one of those sounding the alarm for quite some time now, but we're hoping to speak to him just in, during the course of the conversation. But first, I do understand that Buang is with us on the line. Good morning to you and thank you so much for your time. Good morning, Bongi, and good morning to your listeners. And let's start with the million-dollar question um, today. You know, we've we've seen since the the, the the resurgence of this particular story once again that, you know, some are saying it's politicking, some are saying it's disagreements, some are saying that it's a lack of skills that's behind what's going on. Others are saying that it's a lack of political will. Others are saying there is no money to be able to resolve this particular crisis. These are some of the reasons put forward as to why this water crisis in Hamanskral is still not resolved today. In your view, what is the problem? The problem is poor management of the water infrastructure in the city of Tswani, poor planning, inadequate allocation of budget to um, address this issue, uh, lack of political will uh, is, is, is partly the problem and the lack of community involvement in um, finding lasting solutions. Um, government has not involved the community of Haman's Kral, the community that uh, resides adjacent to the Apis River uh, and other wastewater treatment works in the city of Tswane. Uh, the unmaintained and failing wastewater treatment plants in the city of Tswane are partly responsible because raw and partially treated wastewater is discharged into the Apis River and people in Hamans Kral who are located downstream um, have to endure this uh, and this has been happening since 2004 mm. uh, and, and it doesn't seem like government uh, is taking this seriously and the commission at the time when I was still there we called on the national government to declare Hamans Kral a national disaster. And to date, it has not, this has not been done. We don't know what it, what it will take for government to declare Hamans Kral a national disaster. Already, lives have been lost, and more lives will be lost in the future because of the growing population in the city of Tswane, the, uh, the, the inward migration, the, the new developments that are taking place in the city of Tswane, which are exacerbating the problem. And I'm going to get to the state of disaster in just a moment, but let me latch on to something that you said a little earlier on. You talk about the inward migration. You talk about the lack of maintenance uh, when it comes to infrastructure. So it sounds to me like there is no clear strategy to deal with this. There, there, there is no clear strategy. So as the as there are new developments, uh, in fact, the city of Sana should, should not be approving new developments. Um because this increases the uh, fecal pollution of water. And with, with the fecal pollution of water, there's, there's an increase in the risk of infections of various diseases uh, to those using this, uh, um, uh, to those using water. Mm. And, and, and human sewage, it, it has been proven in the past that human sewage contains germs that may spawn diseases such as hepatitis and cholera. So we are not surprised that there, there is cholera and of course, the 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 source of this uh, outbreak still has to be established. 
by an independent body. And we hope that um, the CSIR, the water regulator, will rope in experts to look into the causes of this independent, uh, 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 so that we're able to uh, have an independent uh, verification of what caused this uh, outbreak. All right, Buang, I'm going to ask us just to pause uh, for a second there and take a breather. When we come back, we'll be in conversation with you as well as uh, Professor Anthony Turton as we look at this issue of the water crisis in Hamanskral and why is it not being resolved? Sunday morning discussion on Weekend View. Morning, SAFM. The reason of this corella is because they are busy with posts, especially these Molanyana parties. They want to be mayors, whether they've got one seat in parliament. It's not about service delivery, and they are being used by the ANC so that it can win next year. So there's no service delivery. They're fighting with post. And also those water tanks may also cause that because people... They want to enrich themselves. Thank you, Chatsani. Thank you, Mama, for your t- for your voice note. Uh, they do appreciate it as we look at this issue of, uh, you know, Haman's Kral. What's going on there with uh, that situation? But how bad is it for the rest of the country? Uh, we're now joined by Professor Anthony uh, Turton, who's a water expert from the Center for Environmental Management at the University of the Free State. Buang Jones is still with us on the line. He's the former head of the South African Human Rights Commission in Gauteng. Prof, good morning to you and thank you so much for your time. Let's start with your views on where, why we are where we are with the situation of Hamans Kral. You've been talking about it for quite some time now. Yes, good morning to you and the listeners. Uh, thanks for having me on air. Um, I think the previous uh, voice note that you just uh, aired, I think that tells a very powerful story and I would like to absolutely empathize with what that uh, message is. How can you have technical solutions being provided where you have infighting at the absolute top of the leadership level of your municipalities, uh, uh, you simply cannot have it. And the problem with water is that water is provided by the National Department of Water Affairs, but it's delivered at local municipalities. And in our constitution, we have a thing called the, the Cooperative Governance Clause that prevents uh, an, an, a national department from so-called interfering in the affairs of a of, of a municipal department. So we, it's actually in part a constitutional crisis, but it really is at the end of the day all about a power struggle and a struggle over the, over the resources of the country and this and a struggle about how to divert those resources into. Uh, uh, patronage flows, patronage streams. This is at the very heart of our South African politics at the moment. And when you think about it, Prof, is it is it something that um, you know they're able to overcome, or could it continue to persist? And I ask this in the context of what we are seeing unfold in various councils, with mayors only being there for like a month, some of them just a week, some of them just a couple of days, and even when they are there, they cannot agree on a budget. They don't know how to move and away for it. So, is it something that, from where you are watching, they can be able to resolve in order to address this? all-important issue of water? All of those things that you have described now 
are the symptoms of a failing state. Every single one there. You talk about the inability to uh, agree on a budget. Well, if you can't agree on a budget in the next month, how are you going to roll that budget out into infrastructure upgrade that's going to take the next 10 years to roll out? So in other words, under present circumstances, my personal professional opinion is that we are seeing a failing state and the failing state happening around us is simply centered on the inability to self-correct. If a, if a municipality cannot self-correct, they then have to be corrected uh, or put back on track by an external means. And that external process has to either be a legal process, uh, you know, you know there's some kind of legal intervention holding somebody accountable, uh, or is ultimately is going to become by an extra legal process, and that then becomes a revolution. And I don't think the revolution is in anybody's best interest. So I'm very much in in in, uh, in the camp of the legal uh, intervention. But if uh, uh, all things being equal at the moment now, uh, the, the municipalities are unable to self-correct because they are unable to reach a, 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 a stable equilibrium at the leadership level. And then, then there's one more thing I'd like to say. What I've just said above now is all, all if, if we uh, uh, view this thing as a political problem, we, we are simply on the road to failure. However, if we depoliticize it, and this is the important thing, if we depoliticize it and we simply make it a technical problem, and then we give it to technocratic people to solve and hold them accountable for, for, for what they do, then it is 100% soluble. So in other words, it's up to us, the, 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 the people, the society, uh, the, the voters. We must decide. We either hold our, our politicians accountable or we, or we uh, ultimately uh, 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 face the consequences of this instability. So this is where we are today. And in fact, what I think the Hammanskral case has done is it's for the first time now we have a potential uh, a set of, 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 uh, of legal cases where we can uh, hold uh, um, corrupt officials accountable because of the loss of life. In other words, we now have loss of human life on a tragic scale. And that loss of human life is now putting a human tragedy face onto corruption, which up until now people have sort of thought is a kind of victimless crime. Well, it's not a victimless crime. The victims are the poorest of the poor. The victims are the, are, are the, are the citizens of South Africa, and they have to catch a wake-up call. I think they will catch a wake-up call now, and they will start to demand from their political leadership some form of stability to bond some form of accountability. So I'm, mm. I'm now speaking, mm. uh, you know, the language of a, of, of a, of political uh, uh, speak now, and I'm, I'm, I'm more a technical person. I prefer yeah. the technical yeah. domain. But this, but this is, this is where we, where we are going, I think. And I'm coming back to that, uh, Prof, you know, that technicality and what does it look like for the rest of the country? But let me go to you, uh, Buang. We, you know, Prof talks about letting the technicians deal with this particular problem, but will they be able to do that in the current political climate? I don't see that happening, um, but we, we hope that um, through the intervention of the national government, there will be some uh, so, 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 some some changes. Um, I think our, my overriding concern is the the, the 
the failure by the national government uh, uh, to intervene. Um, the National Department of Water and Sanitation is empowered in terms of Section 63 and Section 139 of the Constitution to intervene where a water services authority has not effectively performed any function imposed on it by the Water Services Act. And Hamas Kral is a, an example of a failure by a water services authority to effectively perform uh, any of its functions. And by now, uh, the, 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 the National Department of Water Sanitation should have intervened, but for some reason they are unwilling to intervene, yet they intervened uh, in, in the crisis uh, in the Val River. Now, Buwang, the president says that he's going to be going to the area quite soon um, and says that the story is, um, you know, what is unfolding in Hamaskaral is a cause for concern. And you alluded to this a little earlier on and, you know, in some of the recommendations that were made by the commission under your leadership as well, and that's the Human Rights Commission. Should this have been declared a state of disaster by now, given the number of people that have lost their lives? It, it should. Um, it should have been declared a state of disaster. Um, Section 1 of the Disaster Management Act uh, uh, defines what constitutes a, a, a disaster. As, um, it, it should be something that causes or threatens to cause death, injury or disease. Um, and already people are, are sick, people have died. And it also further goes to say an occurrence that is of a magnitude that exceeds the ability of those affected by the disaster to cope with its effects. People in Hamas Kral have not been coping for years, and government should have um, already uh, declared this area a disaster, and the intervention of government should have been uh, aimed at reducing the risk and addressing the consequences of uh, um, unmaintained and, and failing wastewater treatment uh, works. Um, the, the National Department of Health should have also should have intervened because this water pollution is de- detrimental to the health of the people of Hamanskral, and they have not intervened. We have not seen them amplifying awareness on the possible consequences for co- continued drinking of substandard potable water. All right, let's take a pause for a second and we'll come back. And when we come back, I'd like us to talk about, Prof, the situation across the country and what it looks like. Sunday morning discussion on Weekend View. Good morning, good morning, SAFM listeners. This is Salim from Durban. The water problem in Kamaskran is not sorted out simply because of the corruption related to tankers. Who owns the tankers? The delivery of water from the tankers. Who's getting paid? All these are politically connected people. The amount of money that was paid to tankers' deliveries, if you count it over the last 10 years, it's equivalent to billions of rand. We could have been built another dam, restored the water system in Hamaskral. We could have been made it a perfect system without the tanker. The corruption relating to tanker water. 
And uh, those are some of your comments there this morning. Another one saying no more bottled water for the lunnies. What's good enough for the poor is good enough for the rich. And of course, as we talk about the situation in Hamanskral, we still have Professor Anthony Turton uh, as well as Buang Jones on the line. Prof, um, you know, some have said that what we are seeing in Hamanskral is a bit of a symptom as to what is going on across the country. You think about the blue and green drop reports. You think about some of the other reports that have been looked, you know, that have looked into the quality of water across the country. Would you say that this is a ticking time bomb across the country waiting to explode? Yes, uh, I've been on the record uh, since 2007 uh, as saying that this is a ticking time bomb. I raised the alarm um, when I was at the CSIR in a, in a paper that I delivered as a keynote address that I was banned from delivering in 2007. That's a matter of public record. So, uh, yes, I've, I've always believed it's a ticking time bomb, and I've always been of the opinion that human life will ultimately be lost as a result of this. I'm surprised that it's taken so long for, for human life to become a factor, but nonetheless, it is a factor now. Uh, that uh, the previous uh, uh, voice note you just played now speaks about water tankers. And that's at the very heart of this problem, you see. So what we see happening at national level is that you've now got what I call a nested hierarchy of, uh, of syndicates, criminal syndicates. And they nested and they connected. So, for example, uh, uh, what do they do? Firstly, they sabotage the system in order to get the contract. So they sabotage a system to create to create an artificial crisis, and then they turn that crisis now into an opportunity because then a tender is given, for example, for a tanker uh, a contract. Now it gets interesting because that, the, 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 that tanker contract now is a very lucrative contract, but uh, the, those tankers have to be filled up uh, at a certain uh, 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 filling up point, uh, a big standpipe um, that's capable of filling up tankers fairly quickly. Now you get 20 tankers in a row, uh, all waiting to be filled up, and it takes time. So those tankers now start becoming impatient because they get paid for each uh, for each turnaround, for each load that they carry, they get paid. So they become impatient. So what they do, they, instead of standing in the queue to wait for proper water, they go to the nearest river and they fill it up with river water. And they then go and uh, go and distribute that. And this is what I believe might well have happened in Hamanskral. We don't know for sure yet, but indications are that the Hamanskral case actually comes from tanker-delivered water. Now, if that is the case, uh, well, we certainly see that in KZN. I live in the, in the Ugu district area, where we uh, absolutely, without any question of doubt, see sabotage of the, uh, of the uh, infrastructure for this very reason. And uh, I, I understand that this is happening you know, in other parts of the country as well. But if this can now be forensically linked, if the, if the loss of human life can be forensically linked to tanker delivery, uh, to specific tanker operators, then uh, and then and then ultimately back to uh, this this uh, uh, criminal syndicate that is known to be operating in the uh, in the in in, in the Royval wastewater treatment works. We know there's a criminal syndicate that's uh, captured the uh, the tendering process in that place. Uh, where there, there's a forensic evidence there going back to about 2001 of how that capture has taken place. So if that can all be done now by, by uh, a, a smart a legal team, then ultimately you can apply the same law that applied to Oscar Pistorius, the, uh, the, the law that refers to dolus eventualis, 
where, where if you do something, uh, that you must know that the consequence could be loss of life. And yeah. if there is a loss of life, then you are guilty ultimately of, you know, of taking that human life. Right. So that's what I think. That's what I think this is so important in, 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 in Hamid's Kral, because I think for the first time we can now actually start criminally prosecuting uh, some of these corrupt uh, entities. All right, Prof. And I wonder if, uh, you know, Buwang is still with us on the line to try and ask him because he's a legal mind. He's a lawyer and has dealt with this particular issue. And how then does the community begin to resolve this? Because there are calls for a class action here. And there are some who are saying that this issue might be resolved. Buwang, we've got less than a minute. The Prof is talking about dollars eventualis, talking about, um, you know, some of the legal action that can unfold here as a lawyer. What do you say? Who should be charged with these deaths and what legal recourse is there? Well, the South African Human Rights Commission has already called for the criminal prosecution of uh, city managers who were in place at the time of this disaster. Um, and, I, and I think that that should uh, be a, a revived, that call. Um, damages claims will, will flow from this. And I, I foresee a number of claims against the National Water uh, uh, Sanitation Department and the city of Tuani. Um I, I foresee a, a class action lawsuit being launched soon. And that's an area of law which is still developing in South Africa. All right. Let me thank you both for your time. Um, we, we didn't even scratch the surface of this conversation. It sounds like it's something that, you know, we still need to focus on. Quite a lot is going on with this particular issue of the Royval treatment plant and the issues that are unfolding thereof. But let me thank you both for your time this morning. Do appreciate it. That is uh, Professor Anthony Turton, a water expert from the Center for Environmental Management at the University of the Free State, and Buang Jones, a former head of of the South African Human Rights Commission in Gauteng. Thank you so much to you as well uh, for participating in our conversation this morning.